Today from our news team, the Army of the Dead trailer just released. A studio executive at Warner Brothers thinks that uh, Joss Whedon's cut was absolutely terrible. And maybe a Bethesda showcase from Xbox. Welcome to the Culture Jack News Desk. This is the Culture Jack News Desk, uh, where we host stolen information, hot takes, and your weekly bite of news. I'm your host, Archimedes Abigail, and a couple of quick housekeeping items before we get into today's news. Monday Madness just delivered an intense deep dive on the collection and grading of comic books and cards, so make sure you check that out. And tomorrow on the Friday show, we will join in celebrating Black History Month by showcasing some amazing black creators and characters. Welcome to the news desk. This is a new segment and a new host. Like I said, my name is Archimedes Abigail. Now, Dustin talked about on the Friday show that he wanted to quarter off his news segment, and after a rigorous interviewing process, Anthony and Dustin selected me for the position of news anchor here on the news desk. I am so excited to be joining this Culture Jack team. Now, if you want to join the Culture Jack team, there are more ways than ever to do just that. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. This is the best gaming and movie podcast on the internet. Also, leave us a review. It'll help us grow and expand, and with the addition of this show, it brings the number of regular weekly shows up to four, Monday Madness, The News Desk, The Friday Show, and on today's episode. With all that being said, I'm very eager to impress Dustin and Anthony, so let's get right into the news. Starting with movie news, we have just gotten a Army of the Dead teaser trailer, uh, Zack Snyder's uh, return to force for the Army of the Dead. And uh, he was quoted as saying, this is Zack Snyder here. So you expect pure zombie mayhem and you get that 100%. But you also get these really amazing characters on a fantastic journey. It's going to be surprise people that there's a lot of warmth and real emotion with these great characters. The cast list includes Dave Bautista, Ella Purnell, Anna De La Gura, Matthias Schwungoffer, Nora Amazizer, Amazider, Am Amazider, Hiroki Sonata, I'm going to get fired for sure, Hiroki Sonata, Raul Castillo, Michael Cassidy, and Garrett Dillahunt. Uh, it looks like an amazing movie so far. At least the trailer gives it that added element of surprise and suspense and is Dave Batista the leading man? Good on you, Dave. He finally made it up there up there with the big shots. And cast this one in the rumor mill, but may very well be true. Jennifer Lawrence has been said to have been cast in the Fantastic Four movie. She showed up in Australia to supposedly be doing some filming for a Fantastic Four set piece. Now, this is also the location of Thor Love and Thunder, and it's also the location of the Spider-Man movie, which we've got news on the Spider-Man movie a little bit later in the show. Is this a little bit putting the cart before the horse sort of situation? Because the Fantastic Four 
doesn't even have a script yet. So I'd be very surprised if she was filming a role, if it is for the Fantastic Four, in the Fantastic Four movie. Perhaps she is filming a role in one of these other movies, or perhaps it's completely unrelated and she's just going on vacation. What do I think about the casting of Jennifer Lawrence as what I would assume would be Sue Storm? I mean, she's obviously not going to be Ben Grimm or Reed Richards. As Sue Storm, I think she would do a fine job. Now, the only problem I have with this particular casting, with this casting as um, Jennifer Lawrence as Sue Storm, is she was notoriously fed up with being in a superhero movie. Now, that could just be because uh, the mystique character that she played spent much of her time in blue body paint, which had to be a pain to get on. And so maybe that was the only reason she didn't like it. She's a wonderful actress and could do an amazing job as Sue Storm. But we want actors and actresses that are dedicated to these roles. We want we want actors and actresses that are going to to spend a good deal of years. Because if you sign on to the MCU, and especially if you sign on to the MCU as a character like Sue Storm for the Fantastic Four, you are signing away at least a decade of your life. These are not some short, short-time momentary roles. These are, uh, these are some pretty big, pretty big commitments. In other MCU news, the Falcon and Winter Soldier star Anthony Mackie reveals the Disney Plus show's massive budget. And so he said, <clears throat> When we were shooting the Falcon and the Winter Soldier in Prague, that's uh, as big of a budget as you can get, he started. Hundreds of millions of dollars, but at the same time, there's a certain disconnect because there's so many people there. 250 people a day on set. You form these little pods, these little communities. With Marvel, it's tight-knit. Like, I've known our prop guy for 14 years. So... It's at least confirmation that they're spending hundreds of millions of dollars on these Disney Plus shows. And I think we're going to get, as we continue getting these shows, as we're finishing up with WandaVision, as we move into The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, we get into Loki and these others, I think we're going to find that, yes, the the quality of the show in its uh, special effects, in its writing, in its camera work is going to be on par with those Marvel movies. We may notice, though, there are less of those big, grandiose moments that cost maybe more money uh, than we would see in maybe a Marvel movie just because they are going to... Uh, I mean, they're, they're rolling this out. This is a six-hour feature, in most cases, that is split up into shows. And if the cliffhangers are anything like the cliffhangers that are showcased in WandaVision, well, then they've done a really good job kind of segmenting those out to keep us on our toes. Uh, a report says that this week's episode of WandaVision, episode number eight, coming up tomorrow <laughs> during the Friday show and right before on today's episode, is going to be the longest episode of WandaVision that we've had yet, clocking into, I believe, 39 minutes. And so someone said 47 minutes, but then there's eight or nine minutes of credits on this show. Like, it's... I bet we'll have another in in credit scene. Or at least I hope we do. Justice League, there are new details about Joss Whedon's reshoots. Um, one of the studio executives called the Joss Whedon cut a piece of shit. So <laughs> in an interview with Zack Snyder, he was talking about 
the uh, the way that they introduced Joss Whedon to the to the set before he departed it, and how at first he was just being brought on to uh, you know make suggestions and give these small alterations, but not really have too much to do or say with the with the, the final cut of the film. And then he slowly was interjected more and more and more into the film. And so Zack Snyder said, it didn't bother me too much because they weren't that threatening. I just felt that the ideas that they did have were, were where they were trying to inject humor and stuff like that. It wasn't anything too outrageous. Uh, Snyder believes around three quarters of the Justice League ended up being rewritten. So that I guess that in itself kind of makes a case for the Snyder Cut Justice League. Although I was listening to some Internet personalities and they were talking about this Snyder Cut Justice League. And no matter how good it is, the expectations and the hype that have been built up around it are far too unreasonable for it to to manage to live up to that hype, live up to that level of respect that Zack Snyder thinks it has. So he clearly felt it was a good idea. However, one anonymous studio executive admits that they were all left reeling by what Whedon had delivered. This is what the executive said. He said, <laughs> I'm trying to hold my nose and do a voice. When we got to see what Joss actually did, it was stupefying. The, the robber on the rooftop so goofy and awful, the Russian family, so useless and pointless. Everyone knew it was, it was so awkward because nobody wanted to admit what a piece of shit it was. <laughs> so I guess the consensus on this is that, at least on the internet, is that we agree. We agree with this random anonymous studio executive that the Justice League did not deliver what it should have or could have. And, it's, and not just because that it wasn't the slow buildup of the MCU, but because it was horribly mishandled from the beginning. There was a, I just grabbed this title off because I wanted to talk about it a little bit. It says, Why a Black Widow's Disney Plus release just became more likely. And this was from Screen Rant. And so not, not to reference the article at all, but I have, I have long said, me... Archimedes Abigail, certainly not Dustin. Uh, I've said it behind the scenes in talking with Dustin and Anthony, two very, very wise gentlemen, wise beyond their years, beyond what would seem like the amount of wisdom and experience a normal man could accrue in a single lifetime. These two gentlemen, so wise and sagely, and myself, a, a mere studio news broadcaster, think that the release of Black Widow needs to be on Disney Plus, and it needs to be on Disney Plus sooner than later. They've already wasted too much time. Had they released Black Widow earlier, it would have seen many, many more dividends in returns for Disney than waiting. And the reason that this Screen Rant article talks about why it may be more likely is because looking at what's going on with theaters and their reopening, and in the UK... By May, when this is supposed to be released on May 7th, it's not looking like theaters are going to have a widespread reopening by that time. And so they're trying to figure out how to make up the difference while still maintaining that theatrical debut. And I just don't think it's possible. If anything, we'll probably have a hybrid release, Disney Plus 
just like Wonder Woman and uh, HBO Max, HBO Max is doing all of their movies with this hybrid hybrid release this year. And in future years, it's not just going to be these movies this year. And if we don't see a hybrid release every year from now on, at the very least, I think we'll see a much shorter requirement for that theatrical window. And so we'll be able to we'll be able to get these movies on the home front a little bit sooner. Or at least that's the that's the desire. There was a uh, Bruce Campbell tweet that has people all aflutter thinking that he is going to be filming a Doctor Strange 2 cameo. And the tweet in question, he said he made a quarantine short film, which was a view of a London street where Doctor Strange 2 is currently being filmed. And Doctor Strange 2 is being directed by Sam Raimi. And if you recall from the Sam Raimi Spider-Man trilogy, Bruce Campbell played a role, a seemingly different role, in each one of those Spider-Man films. However, there was a rumor going on that they were prepping Bruce Campbell to become that Spider-Man trilogy's version of Mysterio, should Spider-Man 4 have ever taken place. Which, as we know now, did not happen. But that would be amazing. Because there are a lot of implications with WandaVision and with Spider-Man and with Doctor Strange that this multiverse is going to be introduced into the MCU in a big, big way. And if Bruce Campbell was confirmed being in Doctor Strange 2 and Mysterio, Jake Gyllenhaal's Mysterio, has died, now we get a Bruce Campbell Mysterio, which would be absolutely amazing. I'm all for it. I'm there for it, as the kids say. I'm here for it. Uh, in other Spider-Man news, Spider-Man has received a title. Well, this was a kind of a fake out a couple of times this week because Spider-Man, at least these new Spider-Man films, have been, well, they've been sticking with a theme. And so the first one was Homecoming, and then the sequel was Far From Home. And so everyone, you know, after Spider-Man was outed as being Spider-Man, as Peter Parker was outed as being Spider-Man by J. Jonah Jameson of the Daily Bugle. Oh, no, he's not in the Daily Bugle now. What is he? Daily Bugles. <laughs> That's DC and Superman anyway. No, he, he was outed, and so people thought it was going to be homeless or homesick. And then Tom Holland put up an Instagram post that said it was Spider-Man... Um, phone home and then the spider-man logo was in all green and so a lot of people assumed that that meant that there was going to be some kind of large scrawl imp implications in the spider-man movie which we saw the scrolls at the end of spider-man far from home that was kind of the end credit scene where nick fury and maria hill turned back into their scrawl counterparts and then we saw of course the real nick fury on a spaceship working with the scrolls on what at the time we assumed was some interplanetary defense like sword, but then sword was then released or announced or introduced, I guess again in WandaVision where they were talking about making sentient weapons. So what does that mean? That means that Tom Holland is a big fakey fake liar, liar. And then his co-stars uh, Zendaya. And I can't remember the other, the other fella, the, the guy who plays Ned, uh, they also released titles onto their Instagrams. And so Tom Holland's was phone home 
And then Zendaya was, who plays MJ in the movies. Hers was Home Slice. And then Ned's was Home Wrecker, I believe. And then they put up a video that was the actual release of all three of these these crazy kids coming out of John Watts' office. He's the director of Spider-Man. And they were coming out of his office and they're like, why did, why do they keep giving us fake titles? And then they were like, it's because of you. It's because you spoil everything. And they walk by this whiteboard and, um, the, uh, the, the whiteboard's got a Spider-Man. It's got all kinds of different little scribbles on it and different naming ideas, but then it has a Spider-Man no way home. And so unless this is also a fake out, well then, it sounds like that's what's going to be our Spider-Man 3 title right now is Spider-Man No Way Home. I'm excited. I'm excited for this. I'm just, I like Dustin, share a lot of his same proclivities and his same uh, tastes. And I too, the news anchor, Abigail, Archimedes Abigail, Mr. Abigail, some people call him Mr. Abigail was my father. <laughs> um. I, too, am excited about multiverse things. That's it. Uh, another news story. The Boys showrunner officially announces season three production start with an appropriately inappropriate photo. And so what they did is they took the a photo of the, um, what was his name, uh, Homelander, his statue, and then they zoomed in on his crotch and put it out in a tweet saying, hey, you know, production has now started. I'm very excited for the next season of the boys. I'm, I'm excited to see where they go with next because at the end of season two spoilers for the end of season two, they were at kind of a standstill with the boys. Like neither one of them was going to make a move uh, Homelander. He didn't want to be exposed. And then the boys, you know, obviously didn't want to be murdered. There was a blurred Henry Cavill post that suggested he's working on a mass effect movie. And he's not the only one. I also saw another article that said that a Michael Fassbender was going to be working on was going to be working on a Mass Effect movie as well. So that's pretty exciting. Uh, we're getting into some blended blended news here. Twisted Metal. Uh, Anthony reported on it on the Monday Madness show a show or two ago, but it is officially moving forward. And the folks that are writing it are going to be the same folks that wrote Deadpool, uh, Rhett Reese, and Paul Wernick. As well, so that's pretty interesting, and that, my friends, is all of the movie news. Moving on to gaming news, uh, we've got Starfield rumored to be targeting a 2021 release based on an insider report as of a few months ago. So that will be very exciting to see uh, a new IP. I I find it hard to believe that they would be putting out Starfield this year. And I find it hard to believe they'd be putting out Starfield this year because they have not announced anything more about Starfield than a teaser. So I, I know that the, the, the thing is in where a game studio will announce and then release shortly thereafter. Sometimes the same day they will release. It just, it boggles my mind just to think of, all of Bethesda's other games and the release cycle that they were on in that they spent so much time building hype, 
building excitement around a game that they would do so little to market and advertise for it and then release it this year. And that's not to say that, you know, our next news story is any indication that they just might be doing that because Xbox is reportedly putting on a Bethesda showcase in March. So uh, again, file this under the rumor mill category, but there is supposedly going to be a Bethesda heavy Xbox showcase in the middle of March. So we'll keep an eye on that. The claim comes from games beat journalist, Jeff Grubb, who said as uh, much in the games beat decides podcast over the past weekend. He said, <clears throat> I don't know if it'll be a full direct style event, but they will make note about it and they will talk about it extensively. Explain what it means for everybody and talk about the immediate future of both companies becoming one, <laughs> Grub said of the unannounced event. So yeah, expect that it to happen sometime in mid-March. Uh, Grub concluded, Elsewhere, the journalist reveals that this was one of Microsoft's milestones for new information before E3 2021, which is currently slated to take place in a digital capacity in June of 2021. We talked about this on uh, some of our other shows where E3 is most likely going to be a digital event. And if this second digital event doesn't completely kill E3, there will be many of us, myself, Archimedes Abigail, surprised by that development. Gears of War developer might be supporting de the development of Halo Infinite. Now, the Coalition, the developers behind the Gears of War series, looks like they might be helping out some of the off-attacked, uh, <laughs> off, uh, I guess. No, the off-poorly uh, satisfied customers of the Halo franchise, a Halo Infinite, with some help. And they found this out in a Twitter post. Um, there was one of the one of the workers, one of the level artists on the coalition has updated his resume to say that he has shipped titles including Gears 5, Gears 5 DLC, and uh, Hive Busters uh, announced title Halo Infinite. And so they they're taking that to mean that he is currently helping on Halo Infinite. And uh, that, I mean, that'd be great news. If Microsoft has acquired all of these studios and there isn't some kind of collaboration internally between these studios, if there isn't some kind of, hey, you know, let me get this side, will you pick up this side of the couch? Then, I mean, what's the, what's the point? And with this cross-pollination, we could see some truly fantastic and innovative things come out of these games. And maybe some of the mechanisms, <laughs> is there going to be roadie running and, and uh, hiding behind uh, obstacles uh, undercover uh, in Halo Infinite now? I doubt it. But maybe if they work on the flowers or the grass or the clouds that kept popping in and out during that Halo Infinite demo, I think... I think nothing but good things are going to come from it. Uh, another news story, Google, id Software, and Bungie are sued over streaming resolution on Stadia. So Google, id Software, and Bungie are all named as defendants in a class action lawsuit over misleading Stadia advertising. Uh, <clears throat> so the complaint alleges... Uh, Google made false and misleading claims concerning the streaming quality of Stadia service in order to generate increased revenue for the Google Stadia division. Uh, specifically pointing at Doom Eternal and Destiny 2. Both games claimed 
that there was 4K gameplay, according to the suit, but neither were actually playing in true 4K. Instead, they played at lower resolutions and then upscaled the display to 4K. Ooh, scandalous, Stadia, scandalous. Um, if you remember, uh, we also talked about Stadia shutting down its development studio. So Stadia is still there for now. We all suspect it is going to go the way of the Dodo here shortly. But uh, for now, it is still there. This last week, congratulations, Nintendo. Happy anniversary because The Legend of Zelda just turned 35. Now, we haven't seen any announcements about Zelda turning uh, 35 or any special considerations or deals that they're going to be put out or any special remasters. We did have the Nintendo Direct last week that showcased Zelda Skyward Sword, an HD remaster coming to the Switch. Skyward Sword is notoriously uh, not... <laughs> not the the most fondly remembered Zelda game. And so a lot of people were kind of disappointed. They were like, where is our Wind Waker remaster? Where is our Twilight Princess remaster? Where is the Breath of the Wild 2? I mean, it is the 35th anniversary. If there's any time to put out a Breath of the Wild sequel, one would think it would be this year. And the year is far from over. Maybe we will yet see a Breath of the Wild sequel. Breath of the Wild, too. So that, my friends, is all for gaming news. Before I end the show, I have been absolutely fascinated with Dustin's uh, on today's episode, the weekend episode. And I, too, just like Dustin and Anthony, have been watching WandaVision. And so I wanted to include a couple of my own theories for WandaVision. Now, of course, uh, just like my good friends over at Monday Madness and the Friday show like to say, there are spoilers ahead. So please, if you do not want to be spoiled for up to episode seven of WandaVision, you can tune out now. But if you do tune out, I would like to, again, encourage you to subscribe to and review the podcast to check out some of our other shows, Monday Madness, the Friday show on today's episode. Uh, and then, you know, leave us a comment. Get with us on Facebook at CultureJacked or Twitter at CultureJacked. Send us an email at culture.collective.x2 at gmail.com. And otherwise, follow the show. We look forward to seeing you at least four times a week. Now, so into my, into my theory. So this is not a theory exclusively my own, but I it is one that has been brewing on the surface of uh, my brain. <laughs> as I've been seeing things on the internet, talking a lot about Dottie and talking a lot about this mailman that keeps reappearing in the show. And it, it brought me back to thinking that, all right, Agnes was exposed as Agatha Harkness, the grand witch in charge of everything. It was Agatha all along. But what if she's not the only witch in Westview? What if Agatha Harkness is just one of many of a part of a, a coven of witches. Who are the other witches, you might ask? Well, I'm pretty sure whoever is masquerading as Quicksilver, as, as Pietro Maximoff, is most likely a witch. Whether that's Nicholas Scratch or someone else, I'm not sure. A lot of people have been very suspicious of Dottie. And the people that we are suspicious of should be the people that are not 
fully in the show. If you remember back a few episodes of Conjecture here on uh, the Culture Jack podcast, you'll remember that Dustin was talking about the episode where Agnes offered to uh, watch the babies and Vision intervened. And Agnes, unlike Norm, was not still in character. She broke character and said, do you want to take that again from the top? Now, I use that to qualify and quantify my idea that Agnes was indeed someone that was beyond Wanda's power. Because when Norm was broken from his spell, he was crazy. He was overreacted. And then Marvel pulled the fast one on me and had Agnes get broken out of her spell. But she didn't. She, she overreacted as well, and I was like, well, if she was under control, then she can't be Agatha Harkness. But, of course, she was. Now, look back at other characters that have had personal interactions with Wanda that have seemed maybe out of character. And those people would be Dottie. She had that very intimate conversation before she was interrupted on the radio by Jimmy Woo. There's another character, Herb. He was in the spooktacular episode. He's the big tall guy who was dressed as Frankenstein's monster. And he asked Wanda specifically if everything was okay, if she wanted anything changed. And so that's not something that's necessarily a NPC would be asking you. An NPC would be like, oh, these dang kids and their candy. And then there's the mailman who has appeared in three episodes right now, and I didn't even catch it. This is a rumor that I saw online. But the mailman is always going by, always asking how the kids are doing, and people noticed that he had a rabbit on his jacket, I believe it was, and then on his hat it said presto. And so that's some that's some very magic wording there. And so we're thinking, were, as in myself, as I refer to myself in the royal, uh, the royal we, the third person, that there is a coven of witches there in Westview. And if the basement area, the dungeon area of Agatha Harkness's lair is any indication, I think that that is a real place. I think that either Wanda was taken to this place before she created Westview. She was captured and taken there somehow, or she stumbled upon it somehow. Or maybe she made the deal with Agatha before all of this took place, and that is where they created the town of Westview. If the town of Westview, we're all operating under the assumption that Westview was taken over, but what if it was just created? What if it wasn't there to begin with, and all of the people in it were captured from somewhere else, including Jimmy Woo's missing person? So that is one theory that I wanted to talk about. The second one, we all know that Doctor Strange is going to make an appearance, maybe on this Friday's episode. He's going to make an appearance. What we've also seen in these trailers, in these teasers for, for future episodes, is what looks like the Mind Stone coming back together. So we have to wonder, what is Wanda's end game in all of this? Is Wanda really trying to bring Vision back for real? And is she plucking a Mind Stone out of a reality somewhere else? Or is she reforming a reality... <laughs> is she reforming this reality into one in which the Mind Stone exists? And then, I don't know how many of you are anime fans out there, but if you recall the major plot twist to the Full Metal Alchemist, the anime, you'll remember that Edward Alric was trying to make a Philosopher's Stone 
using human sacrifice. So are all the people in Westview going to soon be absorbed, all a full metal alchemist and Edward Ulrich, into the creation of the Mind Stone? <laughs> we talk about crossovers, but man, Full Metal Alchemist and WandaVision, that is one epic crossover. So those are my theories on WandaVision. Let me know what you think in the comments below. Like I said, stay tuned for the Friday show on today's episode and Monday Madness. Subscribe, leave a review, tell a friend about the podcast, any one of the shows on the podcast. Get a hold of us on Facebook and Twitter, our email. Otherwise, thanks for joining us. I'm Archimedes Abigail, and that's the news.